one of my favorite things to do is to hear is to hear your stories, is to hear where, where you came from, your testimony, um, just to get to know you. And so, uh, again, if I, if I have yet to meet with you just to, to grab coffee or, or grab a meal, I, I would love to be able to do that with you just to get to know you. Uh, I have the privilege of always being able to come on Sundays and tell you my story and, and, and how I grew up and how I was raised and how I grew in the faith and uh, you know what? That's just the, the way it is. It's the way it's going to be. You're going to know me better than I'm going to be able to know you. But uh, today, today is uh, one of those things where I've been thinking about this all week, as I always do about what I'm going to tell you. But it, it, it actually is a much, a much more, um, I wouldn't say serious, but it's a lot more of, of the way that I've, I've grown in my faith in the Lord. And it's, it's probably in a way that you, you wouldn't, necessarily expect, but uh, it, it began when I was, when I was a teenager, really. Uh, I was a Christian when I was, when I was five years old. My mother led me to Christ, but uh, when I was a teenager, my journey with the Lord began really when I started to develop feelings for the opposite sex, <laughs> uh, when, I, when I started to like girls, really, and I, I, I wanted to uh, get into relationships with girls, and I remember my parents had this amazing rule that basically said you're not allowed to date anyone until high school, uh, until uh, college. I'm sorry. So in high school, I was not allowed to date anyone. And so I remember my dad, he would tell me all the time, he would say, son, just be friends with these girls. Just be friends with them. You know, don't date them. Um, just be friends and just, uh, just be nice to them. And, and I, I will say, it was very difficult for me because uh, these feelings inside, and whether it was the hormones or whether it was uh, actual love or whatever was going on inside, it was burning deeply and passionately. And having that rule of, of you're not allowed to date until you go to college uh, did not sit well with me. And I remember uh, when I when I started liking a girl, I, I basically was like, well, I follow my parents in every other way. Maybe they'll forgive me. If I, if I just break this one rule. And, and my, my idea was this, was the feelings that I had inside, regardless of if I called this person just a friend, inside I, I, I had feelings for them and they were romantic feelings. And so it wouldn't be just friends. I, I, would, have, I would have looked at them and I would have had this attraction. And and so I was learning how to be honest with myself and not deceive this person that I was attracted to, and so being upfront about the way I felt was, the, was, was my methodology. So when I liked someone, and I, there were many different people that I liked because that was just how God, God kind of made my heart, in my sinful heart, I, 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 I just crushed on a lot of uh, different people. When I liked someone, I wasn't the type that would uh, keep my feelings inside. I would express them outside. I, I would tell that person. I would go to that person and being like, hi. I'm Jeremy. I think, I think you're cool. Do you want to go out with me? Do you want to go on a date with me? Uh, would you like to, to go get some coffee or get dinner? Uh, I, you know, I, I'll buy. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's one of these things that I wasn't necessarily ashamed of doing, whereas it was very weird because a lot of my friends, even in high school and in college, when they liked someone, uh, they would keep it hidden to themselves as well as to everyone else. And, and uh, they would go out on these same dates, but they wouldn't call them dates. They would, you know, just say we're friends going out with one another. 
Uh, and and I, I kind of judge them, and I, I still kind of do uh, when someone is uh, quote-unquote shady, is what I call them, uh, because they, they feign this, like, whoa, we're just friends, but I know deep down, like, man, the way that they look at that girl, uh, they're, like, in love. Like, they're, they're, they're head over heels for this person, and I didn't necessarily like that because I was thinking, like, man, the girl needs to know how you feel and because they, they probably don't know that, that you are thinking about them 24-7. And so I, I kind of made this decision that instead of just being friends, that I was going to go out and tell anyone that I, I had romantic feelings for, that I have romantic feelings for them so that I can be honest, transparent, straightforward, because I wanted to be in the right. Ironically, one of my very close friends was my future wife. And she was my first friend in, in school. I, I met her at church, uh, which is a good and bad place to meet um, a future spouse. But, but really, when I first met her, the both of us had this mutual feeling of non-romantic feelings. <laughs> and so we looked at one another and I was like, hey, we're just going to be really good friends. If anything, she probably looked at me and was like, man, you talk a lot. And I, I think I've, I've mentioned that before, uh, that I, I do talk a lot. But we, really, Grace and I, my wife, we had this conversation. And I remember, at least for me, I don't know about her, but for me, it was a very significant conversation. Because in this conversation, um, because for me, she was just a friend, but I, for me also, my heart being the way it was, it was always kind of evaluating, is this person someone that I would look at in a more, more romantic light. And we had this conversation where we kind of defined our relationship in a way because we were becoming really close as friends. And I asked her, so Grace, what is your type? You know, what is your, the type of person you would want to see yourself ending up with? And let me tell you, the, the person that she described, the guy she described was the exact opposite of me. She wanted, she wanted the strong and silent type. She wanted the guy who, who kind of was, was, uh, was, was not really a rule follower, was, was kind of the guy who, who was strong and, and, just, and, and, and just did what he wanted to do. And I was like, man, that's not me at all. Like, everything you're describing is the opposite of me. So what it did was help me look at her even more so as just a friend. And, and we grew just in our friendship. But one day... One day, I, I, I can't even really explain, but one day my eyes were opened, really. And, and, and it's, it's hard for people to understand because I think when I explained my uh, relationship with, with Grace in the beginning, people were like, oh, you must have liked her from the very beginning. And it's like, no, really? Like, truly, I didn't like her from the very beginning. And sh I know she didn't like me from the very beginning. Uh, we were just friends and we were very close. We would do all the things that friends would do, but there was no romance at all. But one day, my eyes were opened, and I looked at this girl who was sitting across from me, and I was like, man, she's beautiful. And it wasn't that she changed in any way. It was just kind of what happened for me. My eyes were opened. And I remember I talked to my little sister the same day. I had lunch with her, and I was like, Jamie, I have a huge problem. And she's like, what is it? And I was like, I think Grace is pretty. <laughs> and she was kind of like, why is that a problem? And I was like, because it's going to ruin our friendship. Because how can I still be friends with her if I'm in love with her? If I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm attracted to her, we can't be friends anymore. It's going to ruin the friendship. And I remember Jamie, she told me in, in the wisdom that a younger sister has, she goes, is she, is she worth it? 
is she worth losing the friendship over? And I was like, yeah, I think so. But I'm, I, I love our friendship. I want to be friends with her for the rest of my life. And she goes, is it, is it worth telling her how you feel in order to lose the, the friendship? And I was like, ah, yeah. So I, I thought about it, and I remember talking to Grace. And I was, you know, getting all pumped up. Uh, and I even asked her to go out to dinner with me, and I was going to uh, confess my love for her, or confess my, my, uh, my, my newfound feelings to her. But then she uh, kind of canceled that dinner, so she blew me off. Um, and, and so later, later that day, I, instead of going out to dinner, I called her, because it was just percolating and boiling inside. And I, I told her, I was like, Grace, I've developed feelings for you, and I, I like you um, more than just a friend. And I know, I, I know it's going to ruin our friendship, but I just need to tell you. Um, and there was a long pause, and she goes, I'm sorry, I just don't feel the same way. And I was like, no, 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 I know. I know you don't feel the same way. Like, we're, we've, we've always just been friends, but I needed to let you know that the way I look at you is, is not just as a friend anymore. Um, and I'm sorry, you know, I, I'm sad that we can't be friends anymore, but I, I, I just can't, I can't truly just be your friend anymore because I like you in this deeper way. And I remember Grace was like, she kind of like, felt sorry for me, like kind of a little bit of pity in her voice. She was like, oh, okay, uh, I understand. Okay, bye. And, and it, was, it was one of those moments, like I, we, I hung up and I was just like, dang, I lost a friend today because I, I, I developed these feelings and it, it hurt. It sucked. Um, thankfully, my wife uh, came to her senses <laughs> and she called me and, and basically we, we began dating because... I think she realized after a conversation with her mom um, that really God was leading us together and a lot of the walls that we built up as friends needed to be torn down so that we could become romantic. And then we dated and then very quickly after got engaged and very quickly after got married and very quickly after had kids. <laughs> like it was, it was one of these things that the, the progression was, was very quick and uh, even on the way to church today, we were kind of talking about how naive we were before we had kids. We didn't know uh, all the responsibilities that it entailed, all the sacrifices we would have to make. But having kids at the time when we were so young made so much sense because we loved each other and we wanted kids and we wanted to uh, be parents and we wanted these things. And, and the reason why I tell you all of this story is actually the crux. And if, you've, if you miss this, then you're gonna, you're, this is going to be the weirdest sermon ever. But the crux of of the way that I've learned about my romantic life is a very clear parallel to myself about my spiritual life. And it's something that I have, have been digesting and, and you as the congregation that hears me preach every Sunday, uh, you kind of get the rough draft regardless. Like This is a lesson that I'm going to be learning the rest of my life. There is something that I am learning about commitments in relationships that it grows in levels and in stages. Okay, I'm going to say that again. There is a commitment that grows in level in stages, and it's not that it's bad that you're in any of these stages, but when you move to the next stage, you cannot go backwards. And I, I, this is really where you have to follow me and really have to get clear with me. Um, and it's because if you don't get this, truly this whole sermon is going to ruin you in a lot of ways, in, in a, a lot of bad ways. But what I'm trying to say is when you make commitments, you cannot 
go backwards, you can only go forwards. For example, when I was just friends with grace, that is a commitment that I hope you hold dear, you hold true. When you are friends with someone, I hope there is a level of commitment you have towards your friends. And I definitely remember when I first became friends with grace, there was this time where I even told her uh, in one way or another, like, I love you as a friend. And I, I really meant that. It was, I love you as a friend. And I loved her in the sense that she was going to be um, always a good friend. And even that commitment I had was, hey, we're going to be friends forever. But there came a point where I had to level up in my commitment towards grace. It was saying, you know what, now I want to date you. And then even that was leveled up to, I want to marry you. And then that was leveled up to saying, I do, saying we are married and making that legal contract, making that, that, that statement and that commitment, that covenant between our friends and family and God. And then another level of commitment where we have children. And it's not that any of these stages are bad to be in. If you are single in this room, it's not saying, oh, you, you need to level up. No, that's not it at all. Because sometimes with certain people, you need to not move in, in deepness of commitment because it's just not what it's supposed to be. It's not good for you sometimes. It's not good for you to develop these deep friendships with certain people. Sometimes your, your, your resources and your ability, in my opinion, it's hard to have more than like three really close friends. So making that commitment to too many people is going to fray you. It's going to be this really bad relationship. And let me tell you, if you are thinking about having multiple girlfriends or multiple boyfriends, that's probably one too many. You know, that's probably too many relationships and commitments. And then the same goes for even when you choose to have children. There is this, this level where you should consider maybe not having 10 kids. You know, consider maybe not having 20 children because there's this level of commitment that we are committing ourselves to. It's not that each stage is wrong. It's that once you do make that commitment forward, you can never go back. And if you do go back, you're breaking relationships. Let me explain. Even when you're dating someone, if you try to go back to being just friends, you have to explain to that person that you're breaking up. And that's like the cliche. It's like, let's just, let's just be friends. You know, when you break up with someone, it's like, hey, you're a great person, but I think we should just be friends. When you're married to someone, sometimes it, it becomes very difficult and very hard. Um, but going backwards in the relationship is what we call divorce. And it's not that we condemn divorce in the sense that divorce is this irreparable sin. It's just that there has been a commitment that was made and going backwards is not what is good. It is what's destructive. And then when it comes to having children, when it comes to having children, when you have children, you can't look at your children and say, you are not my child, because when you do that, you are denying the fact that God has put you in a position to be their parents. And I'm sorry, regardless of if you want to disown your child, because you have already made that commitment, they are your child forever. 
And, and what I mean in all of this is that in our relationship with the Lord, many of us are in different stages of our faith. And it's not to say one is better than the other. Please, this is where it's super important for you to understand. Some of you in this room are, are merely friends with God. And, and you're just getting to know each other. You're just hanging out. And that is great. And I'm so excited for you. Because some of you, some of you, you've met God or, or you, you kind of know God. You know, you've been to some of the parties where, where you talk to them and you get to know them. You have small talk with God. I mean, you're coming to church. So if anything, you know, you hear about God. And, and so you're, you're slightly acquainted to him. Some of you are dating God. And what I mean when I say you're dating God is that, you, you know, you, you're really beginning to like God, but you're kind, of, you're kind of learning, am I willing to commit my life to God? Am I, am I willing to commit everything to him? Am I going to give, am I gonna give him that, that, that statement that says, I am with you for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, you know, in sickness and in health? Are you ready to say that? You know, some of us aren't ready to say that, so you're still just dating. That's great. That's great. That's wonderful. Some of you, some of you have this covenant and, and call yourself a Christian. Call yourself, call yourself married. The church. The church is the bride of Christ. And some of you consider yourself part of that community of faith where you are the bride of Christ, where we are married to God and, and we are not perfect. These relationships, none of these relationships are perfect, but they are different levels and different stages. And then some of you are in the best place where you are a child of God and God is your father and you are like a child and you are looking at your dad and saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. You are in full control. And again, it's not to say that any of these are better or worse. It is a progression that the Lord is going to take you through. That it is not the pastor, it is not someone, your small group leader or a Bible study leader that can force you into these stages. It is the Lord who is wooing you in all of these stages. I, I, what I want to explain is, is when I first met my wife in, in Texas, in Austin, I was 18 years old and I met her at church. If I knew what I knew now, I would have gotten down on one knee that first day and I would say, would you marry me? But she wouldn't have been ready. She, she wouldn't have been ready because, because why? It's because she didn't know who I was and so she had to learn who I was. And so a lot of times what ends up happening with our relationship with God is that God is not rushing the relationship because he loves you. He knows that you need time to get to know him, that you need time to date him, you need time to, to really come into this relationship with him. So it takes time and that's great. Some of you, some of you, you know what? When you met your spouse, you knew that instant. Some of you, you met your spouse, you knew years later. And it's a different journey for all of us. And this is the same spiritually. It's a different journey for all of us. But the wisdom that we're talking about today in the book of James is truly for those of us in this room that have a relationship with God. And it's a hard lesson. So would you open up your Bibles with me to James chapter 4? The reason why it's a hard lesson is because I believe there are some of us in this room who believe we are the children of God 
the bride of Christ, but we're acting as if we're just friends. We're acting as if God is just a pal. He's just a buddy. He's just a secondary thought. I, I, realize, I realize that's just not allowed. And it's not to say that it's wrong if you are just friends with God. That's not, again, at all what I'm saying. I'm saying if you consider yourself a child of God, a Christian, a part of the church, to believe that God is secondary in your life, to believe that God is tertiary or he's someone that you only think about on Sundays, someone you only think for an hour during Sunday service, that would be as harsh as if I told you I only spent an hour a week with my children or I only talked to my wife for 30 minutes. James chapter 4, verse 1 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly and spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is, it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives, gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? The reason why this passage for me was something I had to chew on for quite some time is, is because I struggle with it myself. The, the core of this passage is talking about why are, why are you guys fighting so much? Why is there so much division and so much quarreling among you? And, and James's point is to say, because your passions are for the world. Your passions are for things of this world, things of the flesh, things that please us and are pleasurable unto us rather than pleasing the Lord or rather than a relationship with God. You're more interested in a relationship with the world. And if you are in a relationship with the world, then you are an enemy of God. And the only way I can really get this to you is by explaining to you in the level of being the bride of Christ or being a child of God. 
And, and the reason why I, I have to be in these levels rather than the first two levels where you're just dating God or being a friend of God is because there's a big distinction between just being a friend of God or being an acquaintance of God or just dating God compared to being a full-blown Christian. Someone that you say that you believe in Jesus, that he died, that he's your Lord and Savior. I would love to make it more of a distinction, especially within the church, that when we call ourselves Christians, we understand what that means. That means that our lives are laid down before the cross, that it is not, it is not about us, but it's all about Jesus. That being a Christian is not something you say to fit in, but it's something that defines who you are. In the same way that I, I can call myself a husband, and I can call myself a father. I hope and pray that one day that calling yourself a Christian would have that same weight. But if you call yourself Christian, you must not be a friend of worldly passions. Because if you have committed yourself to the Lord, if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, and you are desiring the passions and things of this world, you become an enemy of God. And the easiest way I can explain this to you is, is that you are committing adultery against the one you are calling your love. And again, if you are here, and I, 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 I really need to make this clear, if you are here where you're just a friend of God, if, you're just, if you just like God, then, then having those pleasures and those desires of the world... It's not the same condemnation on you. If you're not a Christian, if you're not, if you're not a believer, there is, there is just an invitation to gain commit, commitment to the Lord. There is a call to be his bride, to be in this relationship. It's not a call just to forego the other passions in this world. It is to realize how much sweeter Jesus is, how much more wonderful it is to be with him than in the passions of the world. When you are a Christian, sometimes our relationship with God is stale and it feels like we've just been doing it over and over again. So we want to experience the things of the world instead of experiencing things of God and that breaks God's heart. If I told my wife, hey honey, I love you. <laughs> I love you so much. But you know what? I want to start seeing other people. I hope all of you would say, we need a fire, Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> I, 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 I truly do. I truly hope you would keep me accountable in that way because I have said and I have stated publicly that she is my wife and I have made that commitment to her. She is my wife and I am her husband. And so if I say to her, I want to start seeing other people and you find out, you should say, how dare you? You made a commitment to her. Christian, brother, sister, if you've made a commitment to Christ and yet your heart is desiring fellowship with this world and desiring worldly things, you deserve reprimand. You deserve, you deserve some discipline. 
But see, here, here's what I've learned. Just because you're married doesn't mean that you don't lust. Just because you're married doesn't mean that, <laughs> that you're free from looking at another, another person and, and desiring them. Just because you're married, it doesn't put on this magic armor around you where all of a sudden there is no temptations. But no, you must be vigilant instead. You must realize that those temptations... Oh no. We, we must realize that those temptations don't go away, but we put in safeguards to make sure that we don't enact those temptations. The wisdom that's in this message is one that I invite you to process over the weeks to come, over the months to come, alongside me, is I consider myself a believer, a Christian. I consider myself a follower of God. And yet, there is a part of me that desires the opposite. That I desire the things of this world. That I desire to do, do things that, you know what, probably wouldn't be good for a pastor to do. And I realize, I realize it all comes down to where my love lies. Does my love lie in my Savior? Or is my Savior just a... Does my, does my love... Does my love lie with Christ... Or would I, rather, would I rather be successful? Does my love lie in Jesus alone and the cross and what the cross has for me? Or does my family come before that? Again, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to invite you into a deeper relationship. That if you have been calling yourself a married person to Christ, that you are, you are a Christian, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the call I have for you is start living like it. Start living like it in a way where you begin to have this connection with the Lord, where you look at Him and you say, I will forego all others and I will be with you. I will forego everything else in this, in this world to be with you. I will drop everything I have to be with you. And, and when this relationship even levels up from there, and I believe it can level up, there will come a point where you find out that God is calling you to sacrifice a little more than you're used to, that when you look at God the way, the way that a, a child looks at a parent and the way that a parent looks at a child, you will be willing to give up everything you have because there is that relationship. When I know that I look at my children and I look at my daughter and my son and I see them, there is this overwhelming love in me that if they needed anything, I would do it for them. 
If they needed anything in this world that I could give to them, that I would give everything I have and everything I am to my children and to my wife. But here's the thing that I'm questioning about myself and I'm asking you is do we even have that same kind of love that we learn when we are friends and dating and married and have children? Do we even have a fraction of that towards the Lord? That we are willing to say, I forgo all others for you. I forgo every promotion, every title, every success, every relationship, every pleasure in this world, just so that I can be with you. This is the progression of the spiritual life. This is what is discipleship. This is what it means to become more disciplined and more mature in our relationship with Christ. It is not about becoming a missionary. It is not about selling all you have and and going far away. It is about looking at God and saying, I will do anything for you because I'm crazy about you. Anything you call me to do, any place you tell me to go, there is no cost that is too high. I will get it done and I will make sure as long as you're with me, I will be safe and I will be protected. But some of us call ourselves Christian, but we're really just dating. We're really just saying, hey, God That was a great Sunday service, and I really enjoyed that time with you. And you know what? I'll even put some money in the offering so I can feel less guilty, and and it was great. But you know what? Um, It was a good Sunday, and Sunday's our date night. But uh, really, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, I'm going to see other people. I'm going to do other things. Uh, On Saturdays, oh, I'm sorry. That's that's the day day that I'm going to see my other girlfriend. I'm going to see uh, other, other people. And again, if you're just friends, if you're just friends, that's perfectly fine, truly. If we're friends, I hope you know we don't need to hang out every day. <laughs> I hope you know if we're, if we're friends, if we're friends and we have lunch, I hope you don't get jealous that I go and meet with other people for lunch. But if you call God If you call God the love of your life, if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, have no other idols, have no other gods, that there is nothing in this world that can compare to his beauty and his grace, his mercy and his love. And again, it's a progression. For a lot of us, it will take an entire lifetime. It will actually take an eternity in heaven, in relationship with him, to grow in this this beauty that we will progress for the end of time with him. But I want to encourage you to continue to commit yourself to the Lord because being with the Lord is the best relationship you can be in. So today, I I don't normally do this, but I want to invite you in whatever stage you are, that as we pray, I'm inviting you to pray to God 
to ask him to ask him to be your friend to ask him to be your love to ask him to be your father that in these relationships with him that you would grow in intensity and in discipline and i pray that as a church that we would do what james says that we would humble ourselves and realize that none of us are perfect none of you nor i can even stand close and say i am perfect in any of these things but there's also another truth i'm i am never going to be a perfect father i am never going to be a perfect husband i am never going to be a perfect son but that doesn't change the fact that i am a father i am a husband and i am a son and so for you you will never be a perfect christian but you are a child of god and so rest in that learn in that grow in that know that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of christ and so that should encourage us to get even closer to him that should encourage us to be even more humble in christ again i'm still working through this myself this is not some some sort of wisdom that i am just trying to guilt you into feeling that okay i just need to be more committed to the lord i need to pray harder and do all these things no please don't feel guilty instead i want you to feel drawn no one should feel guilty on their wedding day no one should feel like oh, i have to get married <laughs> You know like all these people came and 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 we spent all this money on on this ceremony we did all this work I have to get married. No. This decision that you make is one that you are saying it's just between me and you. And I'm so excited to spend the rest of my life with you. Can we say that to the Lord honestly from the bottom of our hearts? And so as your pastor, I want to lead you in your relationship with God wherever you are with him and if you are mature or if you're immature you are welcome in this place because this place is a place free of judgment free of trying to tell you where you need to be and instead i just want to tell you how good my father in heaven is let's pray god you are so good you are so good to us we are so blessed to be called your children. Lord, I ask that as that as we continue to be committed to you, to call ourselves committed children, committed Christians. Father, I pray that we would forgo the things of this world. We would forgo those passions that our adulterous hearts would not be tempted more than we can bear. and lord that our eyes would be fixated on you and you alone lord i pray that in our progression of our relationship with you that you would woo us that you would that you would show us just what a great and wonderful god you are and i pray that that would lead us to sacrifice it would lead us to lay down our lives for you Lord be with our congregation be with our church help us to have that heart we love you and in Jesus name we pray amen pray that as lord as we get to know you 
and we get to learn your voice. We, we hear your word. Father, I pray that it would lead us to a deeper love for you. And this deeper love and deeper commitment would draw us to forgo the things of this world, the passions, the desires, the temptations that we have, that we would learn instead of focusing on the, what the world has to offer, that we would just gaze into your beauty, gaze into your grace, and realize just how wonderful and good you are. Father, I pray that as we develop our trust in you, our relationship in you, that as we become more and more your children, Father, I pray that you would bless us, that you would embrace us, that we would have intimacy with you in a way that we could never imagine. So, Father, I pray that you would be with us in this week, continue to watch over our church, that you be the one who guides us and gives us vision. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.